0: Everybody. Hi. I'm Matt. I'm, I'm not Carol Matt. I'm <laughs> Carol Ann.
1: What is this? What is going on? What is on? going
0: on? <laughs>
1: I'm so boozed and confused. <laughs> we keep that. We're, that gonna, stays we're in. gonna
0: keep that. Alright, so I'm Carol Ann.
1: I'm Matt.
0: And this is Boozed and Confused. And I promise it's only 1245 on a Saturday afternoon. We're not fully boozed yet 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 i am obviously confused
1: (laughs) i'm always kind of (sighs) confused
0: how are we today we are great (laughs) good great glad good um cool all right so before we dive into today's topic about cults Um, Just some housekeeping items. We are on all of your favorite social media platforms except for LinkedIn. I'm sorry, LinkedIn fans, but we are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can send us an email at boozedandconfusedpodcast at gmail.com. And if you are so inclined, please follow us on your platform of choice. And if you really want to support the pod, please leave a rating if you like us. Um, Take a screenshot, send it to us, and we will send you some stickers for free. If you don't like the podcast, now's your time to leave. Thank you for joining.
1: (laughs) And don't leave a review.
0: Don't leave a review. Didn't
1: we start like our first wave of sending things out?
0: Yeah, so we did a sticker giveaway on Twitter, and we have some stickers going out. Uh, one of them going all the way to Sweden, which is kind of neat. Hey, Sweden. Hey, Sweden. <laughs> uh, all right, what are we talking about today? Cults. 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 Are you going first, or am I going first?
1: Oh, I think, so what, last time it was a coin flip? Mm-hmm. I think this time we should roll for it. All right, so let's roll for initiative on three. One, two, three. What's a natural 20? All right, well. Oh, baby. It means I get to decide.
0: What can I get with an eight?
1: You can get you fall down the stairs. (laughs) Roll again. Try and grab the railing. 18. All right, you grab the railing. All right, this is going to be a long episode of you falling downstairs if you didn't catch the railing. Yo, natural 20. Why can't I get that when we're actually playing D&D?
0: That's not important then, like it is now.
1: So since I'm in charge of this, I'm the captain now. I say, since well, I have two, how many do you have? I have two. Okay. Well, we're going to go back and forth then.
0: Okay.
1: I'm going first. Okay. You go second.
0: Okay.
1: I go third. Yep. You go fourth. Yep. No, I go first. You go second and third. I go last. And you finish it off? I finish okay. it off. Because this last one that I have is super weird. Okay. But this first one, it's like uh, if it, it's like if you're into feet, you'll be into this cult.
0: Feet, like the body part.
1: Like the body part, like that thing that we both kind of hate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I hate my feet. I hate the idea of my feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you are always wearing socks. Like you are never seen without socks on. Yep. It's like I'm a never nude, but like socks. But it's
0: my feet. Yeah. It's your
1: feet. Yeah. So this one's called Honohana san pangyo yeah
0: it just rolls right off the tongue
1: well it does if you're from japan okay uh this one's often called the foot reading cult because its founder hogan fukunaga claimed he could make a diagnosis by examining people's feet like i'm not sure if it's like palm reading but like foot reading or like smelling them that'd be real nasty just like let me get a whiff of those toes what he was a toe sucker
0: that's all right i'm i think i'm out for this episode i love a man who can suck on oh, some toes
1: God. oh it's gross uh, we both just have a huge aversion to feet but i was trying to keep it light this week yeah
0: why did we pick this one for the first one
1: i'm just trying to keep it light and this one's pretty quick and it's <laughs> a very short-lived one relatively in terms of like movements i guess So Fukunaga started preaching in 1980. Uh, He claimed to be the world's final savior following Jesus Christ and Buddha. Uh, At this time, he was 34 years old, and he had about 500 million yen worth of debt. So when you are the savior of the world, and you are that heavily in debt, you got to figure something out, I think. So he became a household name throughout... Many of his publications, uh, he wrote about 70 texts.
0: Were they all about feet?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I don't know. Um, I didn't go too in depth because I didn't want to go down that like foot
0: Mm -hmm. path. Yeah, because your Amazon search history is going to be really weird and your Google search history is going to be really weird, you know? And it's just, yeah, you don't need those ad recommendations on Facebook.
1: I'm just trying to keep FBI guy like, not thinking I'm weirder than I actually am. Oh,
0: no. He knows. What up, FBI guy? He (laughs) knows.
1: So he actually had most of these written by ghost writers. And in 1987, the sect gained official recognition as a religious corporation. And at one time, this group had about 30,000 members.
0: Of feet people?
1: Foot enthusiasts.
0: This is... This is disgusting and disturbing. And I. Okay, go ahead. Oh,
1: do you want disturbing? Fukunaga charged $900 for foot readings.
0: I mean, he had to make up that debt somewhere.
1: Right. Now, I'm not sure what the US dollar to yen ratio is right now. But $900 is the number I got. Let's go with US dollar for that. That's. Something that we can understand in our small American brains, in a in a twist on palm reading, Fukunaga and his many cult leaders. There's more foot people than just him. They would read the soles of other people's feet, and they would tell the victims. That,
0: victims is it, are they victims because they're being scammed?
1: Exactly. We can you could argue that someone who's in a cult is kind of a victim right
0: okay yes I'm, I'm on board with this
1: so these patients these victims i'm going to go with victims for this one at least they came for counseling about family problems physical problems emotional mental problems and these leaders would tell them that their problems would become worse unless they attended the seminars And these seminars would cost like 2.5 million yen or if they donated up to 14.3 million yen to the cult.
0: Is this, this is individual people? That's the expectation?
1: Individual people. If you want to get better, you have to come to our seminar where we can make you better. But this price tag was pretty heavy. They would allegedly use shocking and heavy-handed words to shock their patients to make them more upset or more nervous or more concerned. And they would falsely claim that their diseases could be cured through training at the cult. And so they took tons of money away from them. They were urged to buy like, high-priced scrolls and ornaments that were said to ward off evil, cure illnesses, free them from their sins even and break curses. These kind of things could be argued as being intimidation tactics um, because there's often like a threat coming with their recommendation. Like, oh, if you don't do this, then this is going to happen to you. These victims would have to go through sometimes like five-day-long training seminars, and the cult actually had really nice scenic views at their headquarters because it was right at the foot of Mount Fuji. And uh, the goal of these was to purify the mind and the body. If you wanted to raise your rank in the cult, the leader would set out these extremely strict rules and guidelines. Um, Each uh, branch was given separate goals. And so some of those things would be to like recruit more members, to raise tons of money. And uh, by the end, the cult, uh, to build their new facility, had raised over 600 million yen. And then once they hit that target, uh, Fukunaga would give them an even harder goal to reach.
0: So basically just moving the goalposts.
1: It's it's like, um, what's that, Cutco Knife Company?
0: Mm-hmm. It's like that. Mm-hmm.
1: You want to make some money? you got to spend about $300 on these knives, and then you can sell them to your friends and your mom and stuff.
0: Yeah, it seems like they were probably selling essential oils, I would think, at uh, these seminars. Yeah. For sure.
1: uh, Actually, at these seminars, he would tell the recruits that lying was acceptable to lure in more people to get even more special training.
0: Okay, so it's for sure a multi-level marketing scheme.
1: Oh, he's like... When you lie, you're actually using your wisdom to say things, <laughs> even if they're not true.
0: Roll for it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he explained that the lies were acceptable as people would learn reason once they began that special training. So in a sense, like, yeah, you're lying, but is it really, though? I'd, I'd say probably, yeah. So the, the group uh, made up like a manual uh, to help people train other people. Uh, Fukunaga is that typical cult leader guy who would who would use the money to like buy himself like really crazy nice stuff. He was seen to be wearing like five thousand dollar suits, uh, custom handmade Italian leather shoes. Um, his wife would spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, like U.S. dollar, like I think up to seven thousand a month on shopping alone.
0: So where, I I always wonder, who people who have like shopping addictions, uh, where do you keep all of your stuff?
1: In your cult compound?
0: Yeah, right. Fair point.
1: Like along the base of Mount Fuji. There's yeah. plenty of room there, I think. So Fukunaga reportedly, this is an alleged number, obtained 60 billion yen from more than 10,000 people over a 13-year period, while well, he spent tons of to enhance his own reputation as a religious leader. So long story short, there's this really bizarre moment in 1996 where he had a, one of those, um, oh, what do you call it when you raise money?
0: Fundraiser. Like a
1: benefit, a benefit.
0: He was selling world's finest chocolate.
1: No, he was in Washington, D.C. at the Sheridan Hotel. And he somehow found a distant relative of mahatma gandhi and had him come
0: interesting
1: and they awarded bill clinton with this <laughs> what with this made-up award it was like the like mahatma gandhi award of world peace or something And
0: bill clinton was the recipient
1: was i can't confirm yes well yes he was the recipient <laughs> but i can't confirm if he came or not with what's going on with the clintons i wouldn't be surprised if he was there yeah I don't- <laughs> but long story short, there was a huge, uh, I don't know if it's like a, no, it's like feedback, There's a, there was a reaction to this, and Hokunaga was eventually sentenced to 12 years in prison for what he did to the people, the money he took for himself. Uh, 15 senior cult members were also charged with mass fraud. Uh, nine of the 15 were given verdicts, but all of them were convicted. Right, Apollo? Right? See, even he's upset. I could see our cats being, like, cult leaders. Oh, for sure. At least Apollo would be. Starbuck would be kind of like, yeah, okay.
0: She would be the one selling the essential oil. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's have a party, and we can put our feet in foot baths, and I'll just drop some essential oils in there. But it's just something hyper-addictive, and you just keep buying it. <laughs> Gotcha. Prosecutors charge these people with practicing medicine without a license. And actually, Fukunaga might be facing manslaughter charges.
0: Oh. Oh, that took a turn.
1: Yeah. Um, Allegedly, when he would bring recruits to his Mount Fuji base camp for the week-long session, uh, four recruits died from rigorous initiation rites. Like, they just couldn't hang. Like, what on earth would you do with their feet? Like, it's probably more than just feet stuff then I guess at that point.
0: I have to imagine that's probably close to, I don't know, like, some torture tactics or something.
1: Potentially. I mean, I've, I have no idea. So, like, this being in Japan kind of links into my other cult that I'm going to get to at the end of the pod. Uh, well, like, legal experts say that, in particular, Japan... And their criminal system is ill-equipped to combat the cult phenomenon. So that might lead to some explanation of my other cult that we'll get to later. But yeah, that is the foot cult.
0: So that's basically a guy with a foot fetish who took it a little bit too far, ended up killing a couple of people, made millions or billions? B. Billions. B. B. And, um, uh, yeah, now he's in jail because of his foot fetish, so.
1: Yeah, and there it is. Uh, what are your cults? I'm super excited and apprehensive to hear the wonderful things that other people have done around the world.
0: (laughs) I am happy to say, uh, neither of my two cults are in the U.S. because I feel like maybe we just need a break, um, from U.S. cults right now, but... Uh, This first one that I am covering is called The Soidlanders, and this is what we heard about uh, in the show Dark Tourist on Netflix. First of all, fantastic show. Highly recommend if you have not checked it out.
1: If you need a pairing with it, like um, a food pairing, uh, it's Culver's. Culver's is the pairing you have with Dark Tourist.
0: Yeah, it, it gives your insides the hug that it needs. All right, so during this segment of the Soidlanders on Dark Tourist, my jaw was pretty much dropped the entire time. I thought that this group was absolutely insane and that they were absurd. Um, I I will preface all of this with, like, there's a lot in South Africa's past that makes this a very complex issue, and when you read more into the past and then you learn about this group, the pieces start to come together a little bit. But within this segment of the show, if you were to go watch the episode, there is role-playing to the extreme. <laughs> like, like hundreds of people come together for this, and they, like, do fake kidnappings, and they do fake, like, carjackings. Um, there's, like, some blatant racism from some of the members. It's just... It's absolutely nuts. Um, but again, if you know about South Africa's past. Um, You know, like, before this, I generally knew about the apartheid. Reading some of the things that I read over the last few days uh, about South Africa's past were pretty horrifying. Like, things that they intentionally, I think, keep out of um, history classrooms. So, and I will say just because I have put the pieces together in my mind of the history and of this group that absolutely does not mean that i'm condoning or agreeing with this group um i think they are absolutely batshit insane but um i don't know just do a little bit of research on your own watch that episode and and kind of form your own opinion however
1: but yeah. yeah just kind of going off of the craziness of apartheid and things that came after it even like when was it abolished 1991 or something mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I a couple years ago, I read the Trevor Noah book, Born a Crime, mm-hmm. where he was talking about growing up in South Africa. Um, I mean, he's on TV every day now on Comedy Central with The Daily Show, right? Great. He's a, he, I mean, he's a, he's a great comedian, but he talked about being raised in South Africa and the, the issues of being of mixed descent his mother being Cosa, and his father being Swiss. Uh, so definitely, I mean, and after watching that episode with you the other day, they just take it to a whole nother level. But you do, to a certain degree, understand the tension that they have.
0: Yeah, so again, not agreeing, not condoning at all. Um, all right, so the Switlanders. At the group's core, they were founded in 2006... At a very high level, they could be described as a right-wing ethno-nationalist-survivalist group, um, and they claim to have 130,000 members, but it's very much worth noting that there's no official records kept, so maybe that number's inflated a little bit.
1: Maybe it's to kind of fluff a little bit, like, oh yeah, we're here, there's tons of us.
0: Yeah, Probably. Uh, So their beliefs are based on, I'm going to butcher this, so anyone from South Africa, I'm very sorry. Their beliefs are based on Boer Seiner van Rensburg, and uh, he's considered to be a prophet by son, but he was a peasant farmer who served as a spiritual advisor to several of the Boer military leaders during the Second War, um, who they predicted to have a... um, this like massive civil insurrection and that this insurrection would lead to an alleged race war in South Africa. So their founder and their current leader is someone by the name of Gustav Mueller. But the face of the group is a man named Simon Roach. Um, He's done, quote, tours and interviews in the U.S., including with people like Alex Jones, which is not shocking at all. Um, and it's really interesting because he even attended the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville in 2017. There's a picture of him like smiling ear to ear front and center um, I think wearing like a hard hat.
1: Is that the one where the white guys were carrying the torches?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah the one yeah the one where they were saying Jews will not replace us. So as I had already mentioned Um, The Swedelanders believe that a race war or a general civil war is on the horizon as a result of a white genocide. And this belief of white genocide is very closely aligned with this group in general. Um, And I, if this topic at all interests you, would heavily encourage you to go do some of your own research on that because I will not really be touching on that in this topic. But like most doomsday groups, this group believes an entire collapse of infrastructure will happen and that they will have to evacuate um, from their urban areas with all of the other white South Africans. And they're going to go to some rural spots that they're going to evacuate to. Oh, boy. All right. So here's something that's really interesting. You hear a lot of this and you have some ideas in mind, right, about maybe what these people are like. But they want to make note that they distance themselves from neo-Nazi groups. Oh, great. Yeah. No, no, no. So totally different. Very similar beliefs. Totally different. Um, But it's worth noting that the Swedlanders have received donations from a variety of far-right and white nationalist groups, um, like the Neo-Confederate League of the South, Identity Europa founder Nathan Domingo, (laughs) <laughs> and american vanguard but totally not neo-nazis it's just
1: not a good company to be in
0: no no not at all but
1: thankfully they said they're not nazis
0: yeah no not nazis um so it's interesting because they said that the difference between neo-nazis and this group is because they um, see themselves as the victims which goes back to the whole idea of white genocide So that's why they say that they're not part of uh, neo-Nazi groups. Like also previously mentioned, this group conducts training in all aspects of civil defense throughout the year. Uh, And the training includes logistics, operations, control of refugees, first aid, firearms training, and communication. Guys, I'm not kidding when I say that the episode of this is absolutely batshit. Like, people are like faking getting kidnapped they're faking getting carjacked and like they go through all of these role play scenarios and like the event of what to do but also oh my god do you remember that part i don't know if i should ruin it
1: with the part about the dog
0: no the oh well yeah so this group was this family that's interviewed is basically saying oh yeah if we leave the dogs can't come with us and the docu-series host was like what so you're just gonna leave him here and the woman was like no no we would put him down before we go
1: but the birds
0: but the birds they'll
1: bring the birds though
0: um no i was gonna say the part where they're they're doing this like car caravan
1: it's so bad
0: it's it's very interesting but they're doing this car caravan and again like this entire group is white And as they're doing this caravan, there's one black man walking.
1: Oh, my God. And they,
0: this part was not actually role playing. They were actually fearing that this person was part of some sort of like.
1: Like uprising. Yes. Like this was the start. Yes. It's like they knew we were doing the test run and now they're here. It was just some guy going for a walk.
0: Yeah. Like insane. I, yeah, I don't know. The whole thing is nuts. Um, But some other things that I would point out, there is this uh, official from a South African intelligence agency who is not allowed to talk publicly about this, so the source is obviously not named, but the online strategy and propaganda of the Swetlanders uses the same tactics as terrorist groups for recruiting members, according to this person. Again, this group claims that their membership is more than 130,000 strong. But uh, the source also says that that figure is likely inflated, but also impossible to verify because they do not keep membership lists.
1: That's to keep them off the grid.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Very smart. There's probably like 50 of them.
0: Like the ones that we saw in the episode, and that's everybody.
1: Wouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah. That's not to say, though, that the government does not find this group to be a threat. So they are concerned enough about the group that they have undercover agents embedded inside of the group, according to the source." I would say from all of the research I was doing, there's a lot of complicated issues with this group and how I didn't want to get super political with this episode, so I left some of these details out, but um, a lot of these ideologies of like white victimhood are trickling more into other countries like the US and the UK. Um, and you can even see like there are uh, right-leaning <laughs> news pundits in the U.S. who have taken a lot of these ideologies and they've, they've put them out into the world, basically. And, and oh, absolutely, that's kind of what you're seeing as a change from 2016 on. The whole concern like from a lot of the, the government's that are seeing these ideologies is that this is pretty much just a successful ploy by the group basically to like garner sympathy if that last part interests you at all and you are interested in the political aspect of everything highly recommend going to check it out the information is pretty easily accessible on your own just did not want to include it here but yeah i highly recommend people go watch the dark tourist episode where he goes to south africa um, see this in action because like truly my words do not do this justice
1: it's like a cringe track that just keeps getting worse and worse and the reality is that it's actually a real thing so that makes it like top level cringe
0: mm-hmm. yeah i mean during this episode you can see that like the fear that they have is very real you know, like even as they're role playing this um, or like practicing their evacuation plan, they're doing this prayer before they go. And the mom just like bursts into tears because she's like, this could happen at any day, any time. Like they're just fully expecting it. And I think living on edge and fear like that your entire life has to be exhausting.
1: I bet. I mean, I definitely looked at their website and it's just. This country says it's happening. This country says it's gonna happen. This country, this, they're just quoting stuff and the internet, you know, is, I don't know how reliable it entirely is. Yeah, if you go to their webpage, swedelanders.org, you are welcomed by uh, unrelenting videos of violence, um, explosions, large crowds, throwing rocks, Everything's on fire. Everything's terrible. Uh, Oh, watching it right now, actually. There's people on the ground. There's people hitting each other. There's garbage everywhere. Civil unrest. And there is a undeniable, um, how would I say this? All the video footage is very similar in one or two ways. Explain. Nah. (laughs) Nah. Oh, there's a truck on fire. This is great footage. And then it's like an emergency plan initiative. Enter site. And their logo, it's a white teardrop.
0: Yeah, no, that that makes complete sense. And another part of South Africa's history that I didn't really touch on a lot because I think it's a very complicated issue and I will fully admit I, I don't really know all the details. I don't know all the history. So it's not exactly my place to try to pretend to teach somebody about it. But um, I know that A lot of what I read kind of pointed back to farm murders in South Africa, where farmers are just being brutally murdered, and it's not even like it's robberies. Like, in a lot of cases, nothing is really being taken. I think people look at at that and use that as as ammo for their idea of white genocide, but yeah, again, I'm not an expert. I'm not going to pretend to be, so... Uh, I highly recommend you go and do your own research but yeah that's the that's the landers all right so speaking of uh of white no <laughs> my second cult is called the family the family the family it sounds so wholesome so this group is also known as the great white brotherhood and that's Yeah, I don't know. This whole thing is very bizarre. So they're an Australian New Age group. Um, And for anyone who does not know, New Age is essentially like a a broad movement that's characterized by like an alternative approach to traditional Western culture. Usually there's some sort of interest in spirituality in there, um, you know, environmentalism, etc. This group was formed in the mid-1960s by a yoga teacher named Anne Hamilton Byrne, who was actually born Evelyn Grace Victoria Edwards.
1: Did you say a yoga teacher?
0: A yoga teacher.
1: They know everything, don't they?
0: They do. So the family focuses on teaching a mixture of Christianity and Hinduism with other Eastern and Western religions, and the basis of their entire philosophy is that Hamilton Byrne was the reincarnation of Jesus Christ and a living God. I just want to know like, how they decided that. How was that found out?
1: (laughs) What I want to know is how many people think they are Jesus Christ reincarnated?
0: Probably a lot.
1: I want to see if there's a movie about this where it's like three or four people in the movie think they're Jesus. And I think one of them might be Zach Galifianakis.
0: Do they like duke it out in the parking lot?
1: I don't know. I really want to watch it though.
0: So how the family got started. So Anne Hamilton Byrne meet someone named Rayner Johnson, and they found the family in 1961. So, Rainer was hosting regular meetings of a religious and philosophical discussion group led by Anne, um, and it was at his home in Fernie Creek in the, oh gosh, I'm gonna butcher this because I'm not great with Australian names, Dandenong ranges on the <laughs> eastern outskirts of melbourne australians i'm sorry but the strange thing is this group consisted largely of middle class professionals it was estimated that a quarter were nurses and other medical personnel and that many were recruited by johnson and then he would refer them to Anne's yoga classes see you see the wheel spinning here
1: starting to see it move yeah, yeah.
0: okay so fast forward a little bit Um, During the late 1960s and the early 1970s, so there's this hospital called New Haven and it's a private psychiatric hospital. So New Haven is owned and operated by Marion Villamech, who is also a member of the family. And it turns out many of the staff and the psychiatrists there are also members.
1: I'm seeing a pattern here.
0: There is a pattern.
1: I'm not sure what it is yet, though.
0: There is a pattern. So patients at New Haven were treated with LSD and the hospital was used to recruit new members from among the patients. They also used the hospital to administer LSD to group members under the watch of two psychiatrists who were part of the family.
1: This reminds me of like how the old psychiatric hospitals used to work. Mm -hmm. Let's drill a hole in their head. Let's throw some drugs in their system. Let's see how this goes.
0: Yeah, this hospital definitely did uh, lobotomies at some point. I saw it mentioned a couple of times. That's insane. Yeah, it's a little disturbing. It's barbaric. In 1986, New Haven closes, and it's the subject of a lawsuit. And this lawsuit is brought by family members of deceased group members. Anne wins the case, unfortunately. Anne wins the case. Oh shit! No, yeah, no. I thought you said the family. Oh,
1: you said the family won.
0: No, I said Anne won the case.
1: Oh, that's terrible.
0: All right, so the hospital shuts down for good in 1992, and creepily enough, it later reopened with absolutely no ties to the past. um, But it's a nursing home now. New Haven Hospital closes and the next property we are going to talk about is the kai Lama property this is a rural property it's referred to as the Uptop. um and it's at taylor bay on lake eildon near the town of eildon victoria
1: when you said that name i thought it was gonna be like what's up dog
0: oh like some kind of pun yeah yeah no nope here's where shit gets a little bit crazy Between 1968 and 1975, Anne Hamilton-Byrne acquires 14 infants and young kids.
1: How the hell do you acquire (laughs) that number of infants?
0: I almost felt like the word adopt felt a little bit better to say there, but... Acquire. Acquire. That's
1: a different whole connotation of acquisition.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, these adoptions were pretty shady.
1: This whole thing's pretty shady. This whole thing is the whole shady. episode is quite shady, so this is just par for the course.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so Anne gets these fourteen kids with her partner Bill, and I didn't have a, like a ton of information on Bill, um, but you'll hear a little bit more about him later. And some of these children were natural born members um, of the group, so they were like children that were members actual children and then i have this nice quote here from wikipedia describing some of the shadiness of the adoptions quote others had been obtained through irregular adoptions arranged by lawyers doctors and social workers within the group who could bypass the normal processes Uh. the children's identities were changed using false birth certificates or deed poll all being given the surname hamilton Byrne and dressed alike even to the extent of their hair being dyed uniformly blonde. Oh. Yeah, so remember um, how that group is also known as the White Brotherhood? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to see a trend. Naturally, with 14 kids, you're not sending them to public school. You're not sending them to a private school, certainly. Uh, so all these kids are kept secluded from the outside world, and they're homeschooled on the property, And here's the really creepy part. All of these kids are told that Anne Hamilton Byrne is their biological mother and that the other adults in the group were like their aunties and uncles.
1: It's like one big old family. Yeah. Me and my bros, we all got the same haircut. You know what that means? We're in a cult.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right. The kids were not given access to the outside world. They were Disciplined in like very loose quotes uh, with severe beatings and starvation diets and some of the kids who have spoken out about this said that these like disciplined beatings and starvation diets a lot of the times came for like almost no reason I have another quote here are you ready
1: no wait yes
0: it's a lot of drug names that I'm not going to be able to pronounce very well so uh, also from wikipedia the children were frequently dosed with the psychiatric drugs flupinezine, diazepam, haloperidol, chlorpromazine, nitra. nitra yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bother with the rest of these. They're drugging these kids a shitload.
1: I think you have a future in those <laughs> direct from the drug makers commercials. You could be the announcer. You can be yeah, that we'll one. See. You know, like I'll be on the commercial like jumping rope, holding a kite, like laughing and running while you're like symptoms may include bleeding from the eyeballs, sensitive nipples, and your toes fall off.
0: <laughs> and your toes fall off.
1: <laughs> and then those guys from Honot Hagar are like, No.
0: Hey, if you if you send us your fallen off toes, we'll send you fifty yen. <laughs> we'll send you a sticker. All right, so uh, also from the same quote, on reaching adolescence, they were compelled to undergo an initiation evolving LSD. While under the influence of the drug, the child would be left in a dark room alone apart from visits by Hamilton Byrne or one of the psychiatrists from the group.
1: While they're tripping on LSD?
0: Yes, they would be left alone.
1: That's the stuff of nightmares. Yeah,
0: that's, that's you know, I've never, um, I've never done LSD. I've never taken LSD. But from what I have, like, heard from... It was, like, big in the 70s, right? I wasn't there. I wouldn't know. <laughs> That's a good point. Neither of us were. Um, yeah. I just, like, can't imagine doing that on my own. So fast forward again a little bit. So... Police came to the property in 1983 in search of a missing girl named Kim Holm, and she was 10 when she went missing. Her mother was a member of the family, and her father went to the police to get his daughter back. And in very cult like fashion, uh, when it goes to court, two of Anne's followers lie in the court proceedings in order to make the dad look bad. And they ultimately decide that, like, her followers lied and Kim, um, Kim's mother is ordered to return her daughter. Mm. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Insert cop's theme song here. I hear it. I hear it. It's probably stuck in your head, too, now. The cops begin an intervention. And... They begin this intervention because Sarah Hamilton Byrne, who is an adopted daughter of Anne's, um, is expelled from the group in 1987 because of arguing and rebellious behavior, which basically is like any normal teenager. So you can see the standards are very high. Sarah is instrumental in getting the attention of the police. And after she goes to the police, they start to investigate Anne Anne and the Kailama property and a raid ultimately takes place on the property Friday, August 14th in 1987, and all of the children were removed from the premises. I have another quote here. (laughs) After the raid in 1987, Anne Hamilton-Byrne and her husband William, Bill, uh, remained outside Australia for the next six years. Operation Forest, an investigation involving police in Australia, the UK, and the US, resulted in their arrest in June 1993 by the FBI in the town of Hurleyville in the Catskills in New York. They were extradited to Australia and charged with conspiracy to defraud and to commit perjury by falsely registering the births of three unrelated children as their own triplets, charges that were later dropped. Elizabeth Whitaker, wife of the psychiatrist Howard Whitaker, was their co-defendant. The Hamilton Burns pleaded guilty to the remaining charge of making false declaration and were fined $5,000 each. The conspiracy charges against Whitaker was dropped, um, and she was ultimately convicted of falsely obtaining nearly $23,000 between 1983 and 1987. All of that and the only thing that happens to Anne and her husband are that they're both fined $5,000.
1: <laughs> Don't make a cult again. Little, <sighs> little, little slap Just on the little wrist.
0: slap on the wrist. Fast forward again. We're going to the late 90s and the 2000s. Um, so, Sarah writes a book called Unseen, Unheard, Unknown, and I think a lot of this Wikipedia article that I used as a source is taken from her book. Um, and luckily, Sarah generally seems to go on as a successful woman. Um, she studies medicine, she becomes a qualified doctor, and she also learned that she had been adopted and eventually met her biological mother. So that kind of worked out nice for her. That's heartwarming. Besides like the trauma of being in a cult when you're younger, but it seems like things got better for her. Yeah. Going back to Bill. Bill, Anne's husband, is on his deathbed in 2001 and Sarah goes to see him. And at this point, Anne makes her first public appearance since being convicted. All right. Fast forward again a little bit more. 2009. Sarah is taking the initiative to see Anne in her compound in Victoria. A little bit more 2013. Anne is in a nursing home in Melbourne and she's close to death with dementia. And this causes a huge power struggle within the family about who her successor is. Oh and. My God. Just as recently as twenty nineteen, Anne passed away and I couldn't find any information about who actually took over in the family, but it kinda of blew my mind that this is still around, just out in the open.
1: Who's the successor?
0: Yeah, I I would love to know. So, um, you know, successor to uh to Anne in the family, if you're listening to this, <laughs> let us know. Raise a hand. But yeah, this um cult was pretty wild.
1: Yeah. I mean, cults in general a while, but this one, this one is, the haircuts got me. It was the haircuts for me.
0: You know, I think I would calling. rather take the, um, the foot fetish essential oil selling guy over um, someone who's pretty much falsifying adoption papers, making all of the kids look uniformly white and blonde, and also like, you know, the dragging and, of children and killing of people.
1: Right, 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 right. Of course, those those small details.
0: So that's, that's the family. Um, there's a lot more details in here. It's a, a heavily detailed cult. Um, this is very high level. So if anyone is interested in learning more about the family, there is a lot of information on the internet that I did not really include in here.
1: Okay, time for mine. My last one, wrapping it up with a... Very bizarre cult that is still quite active across many continents and just in general. Very bizarre. I don't even know where to begin with it. Um, It's a movement for sure. Uh, It touches on religion, kind of, sort of science for sure, and like consciousness. Um, If I were giving like an elevator pitch, it's kind of like Star Wars meets the Ten Commandments.
0: I'm going to have to hear more.
1: Yeah, this is uh, this is a UFO religion.
0: Ooh, I'm sold. I'm in.
1: <laughs> We're talking about Realism, which I'm probably gonna say Realism, but it's like Raelism. The guy in charge is named Rael. whose his life alone is insanely fascinating. This was a religion founded in 1974, and it's going strong today. And their motto is, science is our religion, religion <laughs> is our science.
0: Yep, crystal so clear to me.
1: Yeah, they've got about 100,000 followers and are reasonably popular on YouTube, with videos going up regularly since 2015. Low-key, a decent following on YouTube, too. Uh, the videos going back about four or five years have upwards of 22,000 views.
0: All right, so I'm just going to have to say, if this group was founded in the 70s, and there's only 100,000 members, and the Soidlanders were started in 2006, I don't know. I think I'm going to maybe question the 130,000 members they have. I don't know.
1: Correct, correct. Well, that, that number comes as of 2018, the 100,000.
0: Yeah, it's pretty, pretty recent.
1: But yeah, it's a UFO religion. Uh, Which basically, (laughs) if I have to explain it, uh, it's a religion that requires the existence of extraterrestrials operating UFOs in an element of their belief. And this is described as one of the most consolidated UFO groups internationally active today. But wait, there's more.
0: Tell me more, Billy Mays.
1: (laughs) realists see the bible as a central part of their belief system like it's meant to be taken like kind of literally which i know is a facet of a lot of christian sects but this is an atheistic religion
0: okay i'm getting a little lost here
1: in the tanakh the jewish bible they refer to god as like elohim Mm -hmm. or like yahweh Uh, realism acknowledges elohim as the creator of human life but elohim is not the god of us
0: in that religion
1: no it's like (laughs) it believes that elohim may have been historically mistaken for gods but are really just aliens Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I watched an interview with this this man who was like so full of love and warmth and was like always smiling as he talked with that like thousand yard stare still though. But he said, uh, he gave an example of the book of Genesis, which is, he says is a literal, this really happened. So The complaint is that the book was written by primitive people who didn't really understand what the aliens were telling them. So the Elohim, not God, but the alien people, informed the humans that before they landed on Earth, they installed satellites which are flying around the Earth. So in 1st chapter, verse 2 of Genesis, when it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, Raelian scholars would be like, yo, it's just satellites, man
0: interesting
1: yeah okay yeah um god is not god god does not exist this is just aliens that came here to make us and yeah we're gonna (laughs) you could look if we're gonna get into like it was satellites that might explain why we have like similar shaped buildings across the world you know the pyramids and stuff aliens
0: so what basically these aliens are just playing sims with us yeah yeah all right that makes sense
1: yeah i almost got wooed to death
0: <laughs> Stop.
1: throughout history the elohim have created 40 elohim human hybrids who have served as prophets meant to teach us and prepare humanity for the news about our ultimate origin and destiny and you know what among those prophets those hybrid prophets we have the buddha jesus christ Muhammad, and of course, Rayal himself being the 40th and final prophet. <laughs> the Elohim are said to be planning a future visit to complete their revelation and education of humanity. But not until humanity finds a way to harness our advances in science and technology to develop it in a way that gives us a peaceful ending. And once that's achieved, the Elohim shall return to Earth and share their technology with humanity and usher in a pure utopia.
0: All right, so basically we're never going to see them.
1: I mean, theoretically, we might. I mean, they definitely have, like, a time frame that they're aiming for where, like, if things don't quite get there by, I think, like 2035... They've got protocol for that. That's the belief in a nutshell. So what about the founder, Rael, the last prophet? He was born uh, Claude Maurice Marcel Vorilhon. He was born September 30th in 1946, and he was raised in Vichy Allier, France. After stints of boarding schools, Claude ran away and became a street performer in Paris. He was discovered on the streets by a producer, and he later became a radio pop star. This is a very short-lived career because his sponsor committed suicide in 1970.
0: Oh, my God. Okay, well.
1: He actually, if if you go to his Wikipedia page, he has a number of singles that are out there. Before founding Realism, he was a sports journalist focusing on sports cars. He had his own magazine. It was called Autopop. I think at the end, it only had, like, 34 volumes. His first being released in 1971, and it ended soon after he had his first alien visitation. This was December 13th, 1973. He was hiking through this uh, French, like, volcanic crater. It has a name. I'm not even going to bother pronouncing it. But an extraterrestrial being came out of a craft that had descended from the sky and told him, in French, that he had come for the sole purpose of meeting with him. Rael said that he was given a message by this alien, and it told him that it was his mission to pass this message to the people of Earth. And so he wrote his first book. It was called The Book Which Tells the Truth. (laughs) (laughs) And the book states that that advanced human scientists from another planet with 25,000 years of scientific advances created life on Earth through DNA manipulation, okay? And these scientists were originally called Elohim, or those who came from the sky. He wrote that some 40 prophets in Earth's history were sent by Elohim, but their messages were distorted by humans because the difference of intelligence between the aliens and us us being primitive, kind of going back to the, yeah, we have satellites. Oh, you're floating on the water. He said that he was given the mission of informing the world of humanity's origins in anticipation of the return of these extraterrestrials by building an embassy in neutral territory.
0: I feel like I'm getting sold here.
1: Many people were sold on this, actually. He said that certain mysteries were explained to him based on new interpretations of sacred texts, such as the Bible. He said on October 7th, 1975, he was contacted by one of the Elohim who took him to the home planet to meet Buddha, Jesus, and Muhammad. He met them on their planet. That's not all. (laughs) When they took him aboard their spaceship to go to the home planet, he was offered six biological women robots with which he could have sex with okay he saw the elohim create his clone and he was taught the techniques of sensual meditation in his second book which is titled extraterrestrials took me to their planet
0: yeah he really just gets to the point of all of these titles straight
1: to the point yeah in this book Raël describes how harmonious and peaceful beings these people are they're free of money they're free of sickness they're free of war And when he comes back, he devotes himself to the task he said he was given by his father, who was an alien named Yahweh. So you're seeing those very deep ties to the Bible there Mm -hmm. with the, yeah, Elohim, Mm -hmm. Yahweh. Shortly after a first public conference, Ra'el founded Madek, a group of people interested in helping him in his task, which later became the international Raylian movement. So what's going on with Raylism now? Well, they believe that we are in our end days. And we have been in our end days since the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki.
0: Yeah, read the room.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Those, Those bombings back in World War II put our species on a path which we now must choose whether to use science and technology to enhance our life or to bring about our end through nuclear annihilation. And Rael says, if humans successfully get through this present age, we will live in an era of technology in which society will be tolerant and sexually liberated. We're going to get into the weird sex part later. Uh, Rael claimed that He was destined to help lead humanity away from its path of destruction. And so he says, if humans can maneuver through these awful times and can enter into peace, that will trigger the return of the Elohim who will usher in the utopia that he was promised earlier. And the previous 39 prophets will return. And with the help of Rael, the 40th, the United Prophets will complete this movement. Before that happens, a lot has to happen though. So, Rael stated that humanity has to build an embassy for the Elohim prior to their arrival, and that it must include a large enough landing pad for the spaceship.
0: Wow, okay. Demanding divas. Did it give the dimensions?
1: I don't know how big it is. I mean, probably big enough. Uh, he said, furthermore, it had to be located on internationally recognized neutral territory so as to not indicate favor towards any one particular nation state.
0: Okay, so they're going to go to, like, what, Switzerland?
1: You know, actually, I think their current headquarters is in Geneva.
0: Yeah, that would make sense.
1: Yeah, typical typical Switzerland. Yep. And so he originally sought permission to build in Israel, and he explained this by reference to how the ancient Israelites were once in contact with the Elohim. They think that the people coming from Israel, the the Jewish people, are actually like human-alien hybrids. Anyways, it got shot down like immediately. Um, once it was shot down, he stated that we could maybe build the third temple, which is a reference to a Jewish prophecy. Kind of like see, this is legit, guys. I'm going to do this. So once they said, no, this isn't the third temple. This isn't it. You're not the one. He goes, all right. So he proposed building in Jordan. No. Syria? No. Lebanon? No. Egypt? No. they were all like, no, we're not giving you a dime. You can't have any of our land. This is not, this is not a thing. Some of the higher leaders in the Raelian movement suggested that hawaii be an alternative and in 1998 Rael said oh yeah i actually got a revelation from the elohim who said that would be a great place to go
0: (laughs) yeah i'm sure
1: so obviously it's 2020 there's no super advanced alien race giving us technology or anything
0: not that we know of right maybe they're among us
1: looking at you fbi guys They said that should the Elohim not arrive by 2035, the Raelians will have to adapt to the new circumstances in which their end scenario remains unfulfilled. What that means? I don't know. Where does this take us now, though? Once on Earth, Ra'el claims, that the Elohim will share their advanced technology and understanding of science with humanity that will give us unprecedented joy, happiness, health, etc he teaches that the Elohim's arrival will herald in new improved politics and essentially will lead us to a geneocracy which is essentially the rule of geniuses
0: well, it looks like you're gonna be moving up in power
1: right I like Rick and Morty yeah so,
0: <laughs> you have to have a very high IQ to understand it
1: yeah clearly I mean I'm pretty much I should be in Mensa all of the ideas of the geneocracy are expressed in his fifth book geneocracy according to the system geneocracy only those who are 50% more intelligent than the average person will be allowed to rule and this proposed system bears a lot of similarities actually to things that Plato recommended back in his work Republic in this future rail says that humanity will be able to travel beyond the earth to colonize other planets. He claims that robots will assume all menial tasks of humans and we will be able to devote all of our time to pleasurable pursuits.
0: You know, I think I've seen a show where they make robots to do shit that we don't want to do. I've seen a couple of shows like that or movies. I'm not down with it. I'm not down with it.
1: So we have robots doing all of our jobs so we can do pleasurable stuff. He argued that there would be robots that would serve as sex slaves akin to those that Rayal saw and got to engage with on the spaceship on his way to the planet to see Buddha, Muhammad, and Jesus. He says that a single world currency would be introduced and it would then lead eventually to an abolition of money and a unified world calendar will also be adopted. This kind of explains when I was watching his videos, I watched probably like seven or eight of them. They all had these really wonky dates on YouTube. It'd be like September 22nd, 2020, which I think was his most recent video. The, The date in the title of the video was something entirely different. Now with this really booming movement There's a ton of controversies. I'm gonna go over just a handful of them, one of them being human cloning. There's this Canadian cloning company called CloneAid, which has very close ties to realism. In 2002, CloneAid claimed to have created the first human clone, whom they named Eve. Outside of major ethical issues here, there is actually very little proof that they actually were able to do it. Clonade has a number of international branches where they have different names, but something that's that's very bizarre about this is one of the higher-ranking scientists at Clonade, uh, a French chemist and Raylian leader named Brigitte Bossillier, testified under oath that there was a cloned child born outside of the U.S. and is living in Israel. And they're kind of like, bet.
0: <laughs> yeah, Pixar didn't happen.
1: They wanted to do a DNA test on this person. However, Clone Aid did not present demonstrative evidence that the child actually existed. And Basilier just said, Oh no, she'll she'll come to the U.S. and she'll do the DNA tests. We got you. And so when the time came for them to bring Eve to the U.S., Bosilier just came back and said oh no, Um, she saw a pediatrician and her mother's in good condition, uh, but she refused to mention the location of the surrogate birth, the testing lab, um, or even the mother's home or her name. The mother was said to be 31 years old with an infertile husband. And cloning is actually a pretty massive part of realism. Uh, They reject the existence of an ethereal soul, which would survive like when you die. So like you die, you go to heaven. They don't believe in that kind of eternal life. They instead argue that the only hope for immortality is through science. And so it's more of a, you're cloned back to life. So if you die, you get cloned. He claimed that the Elohim will clone and thus recreate the physical dead people but only those whom they feel merit reincarnation. So it's a conditional immortality, pretty much immortality for the minor good and oblivion for the majority who don't meet their moral standards, which are super blurry in regards to what is good and bad. Going back into the Bible for a reference, when Jesus was crucified and was uh, brought back to life, they claimed that it was the Elohim doing it, and they, he did die, and they just threw him back in, the clone.
0: I mean, what's, what's the proof that it wasn't them?
1: <sighs> it seems for every question you have about this, Rael just has an answer. It was cloning. Raelians also believe that the deceased individuals can be cloned, so that they can be put on trial for crimes in their previous lives. Guess who Rael wants to bring back to life?
0: Is it all the generals from World War II that were gassing um, people in Nazi concentration camps?
1: He's mentioned by name Adolf Hitler. He wants to bring Hitler oh, yeah, back that, to life. Yeah, that one. That yeah. one. Yeah. That one. Who, just a yeah, very bad dude. They. Uh, he says that the Raelians will bring back Hitler and put him on trial for all of his crimes. And speaking of the Nazis, the the sigil, the logo, I don't know what to call it of realism. You guys got to look it up. It's a star of David, but inside the star of David is a swastika, which I I don't think you can put two symbols together and have it be more like perverse.
0: Yeah, it's a very strange logo.
1: They have a secondary logo where they remove the swastika and just kind of put like a like a little like swirly swirl. It's like, oh, that's the galaxy. Interesting. But the main logo definitely has a swastika in it. Super sketchy. Not only do they want to bring back Hitler, they also want to bring back the people who brought about 9/11 and put them on trial for what they did.
0: That's gonna be a a whole last other conversation.
1: I mean, there's a whole other thing there. He 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 has it out especially for the terrorists who flew the planes into the Twin Towers and the Pentagon because they have a massive hatred for suicide. When the Heaven's Gate cults had their mass suicide in 1997, the Raelian Church, we'll call it, I guess, was among one of the the new religions that issued a press release that entirely condemned suicide due to the fact that the Raelians seek to be a religion that continues life through cloning. So suicide kind of ends that cycle. The Raelians seek to both genetically clone individuals, rapidly accelerate growth of the clone to adulthood, install in them nanotechnology. Rael told lawmakers that banning the development of human cloning was comparable to outlawing advances in medicine such as like antibiotics, blood transfusions and vaccines. Like damn, like he, he wants that bad. He wants cloning to be the new way that we produce. In fact the, the the Elohim, according to him, don't actually have the ability to reproduce sexually and that they are just cloned. Another controversy that had followed Rael is his focus on sensual meditation. Not the fact that you can't do that kind of stuff. It's the fact that he was focusing on like children. So the Swiss government authorities responded to their views about meditation with the fear that supporting liberalized sex education for children would teach youngsters how to obtain uh, sexual gratification in an uneducated way and that might lead to increase in sexual abuse of underage children. Speaking of children, allegedly during a tour through Asia, uh, Rayel married a 16-year-old girl, and though he claims to have divorced her immediately after he married her and it was done just to get through borders, they allegedly continued living together after the marriage and divorce. The, the final controversial thing that I think, I mean, there's a ton, but this thing is called the Order of Angels, and this feels like the most cultish part of realism. According to Rael, the Elohim are much more feminine than humans, and Rael said something like the 10% most feminine women on earth are 90% less feminine than the average elohim well whatever that means Uh, in 1998 he claimed to receive another message being told to create a special group only for women in his movement and these women would become the consorts of the elohim after their arrival on earth the order of angels was kept entirely separated from the rest of the movements the living quarters were entirely off-limits to anybody who was not an angel. So what do you do when you get too old as an angel? When you get too old, you become a gold-ribbon angel. You lose the ability to be a welcomer to the Elohim when they come, but you can definitely help groom the other young women who are going to take your place. And there you have it. There's a lot more behind this, and if you're really curious and you want to explore the teachings of Rael, you can go to www.raelleacademy.org. So there you are, everybody, a number of really, really interesting, very some, some worse than others, some, uh, some weird cults out there. There's way more, but these are the ones we chose. If you have any cool cults that you've heard of that we didn't mention, go ahead and let us know.
0: You can let us know on your social media of choice between Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or if social media is not your thing, you can send us an email at podcast at gmail.com. And if that doesn't do it for you, I don't really know what else to tell you. Maybe just tell us in a review or something.
1: I'm working on making a MySpace page, actually.
0: Is the foot fetish guy going to be in your top eight?
1: Oh, he's number one for sure.
0: So... Thank you so much again for joining us this week. If you liked this episode, if you like our podcast, please leave us a review. We would be so grateful, and it is the best way that you could help us and support the podcast. If you take a screenshot and send it to us, we will send you your very own Boosted and Confused stickers for free.
1: Stay confused.
0: Bye. Bye.